Greetings, everyone. Welcome back to Rolling with Disadvantage, the D&D podcast where we won't be playing D&D. As always, I am your host, Tyler. And I am your tyrannical co-host, Till. I was going to say terrific. I'm scarier this way. RWD is our podcast where we argue, debate, and scream into that void. Nope, Nope. we're saving it for... Oh, this is a show. We won't save it for the show. That's our go-to slogan, I think. About various aspects of D&D 5th Edition. Feel free to join the conversation by tweeting us at RWD Podcast or following us at RWD underscore podcast on Instagram. Come find us. Come love us. Enjoy the memes. You can leave me alone, frankly. So... (laughs) I, po- uh, I just I, I post my meme. People like it or they don't. It's all good. It's very nice. I know. I tweeted. System. I got I got you know likes and retweets on a tweet recently. I don't know if you saw it. <clears throat> I tweeted that um, I I'm not suited to manage a social media account as I am not one of the primary qualifiers. Social. Yes, I did see that. <laughs> yes, because you are you a know, lurker. Whatever. Exactly. I'm a lurker. Generally speaking. Not in real life. In real life, I'm. I just. I don't even exist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, Not even mm-hmm. at all. So we. I haven't seen you in a while. We took last week off. Yes. How are you? Me, me. I. I am fine. I'm through the the crazy part of of the year for me. Uh, so pretty much December to February. You know, beginning of March is my absurd time, uh, where we go at. Uh, you know absurd speeds no what what's what's the speed that you go in space balls ludicrous yeah it's ludicrous speed i think i've seen space balls one time yeah so um but yeah so that's past um at the end of this month uh, i got i went and uh rented a cabin for myself um in the woods coming month or you where you haven't you haven't gone yet okay okay i've not gone yet uh and i'm just gonna go uh you know read a book or two i've got two that i want to read but i'm not a fast reader so i'll make it through one of them yep yep by myself just just wanting to see something that isn't my normal four walls that's good i like that that's that's a very good thing to do still social distance but still getting out of your house Mm -hmm. i like Mm -hmm. it 10 out of 10 i will be organizing my basement at the end of the month ah very good very good it's a mess it's a mess down there yarn everywhere Uh, the morning this airs i will have received my second half of the coronavirus vaccine ah very good i'll be uh you know we'll see if i'm alive but so far so good i assume you're gonna go to the bars that night oh yeah absolutely just go go butts nuts i did um i did do risky behavior this last weekend though oh very good we went we went to ikea Uh uh-huh it was a lot of people at Ikea. Frankly, surprised at the amount of people. I've never been to an going Ikea. Going to an Ikea. So. It, on a Saturday like, morning. Were there like 300 people, 400 people? Oh, if I had to guess the amount of people, yeah, I would say that was, that was at least that many. Okay. And no one, you know how people can barely navigate the one direction aisles in a grocery oh my, store? Don't. It, it, <laughs> They can't navigate in Ikea, even though there's maps. So people are just milling about. And it's, and it's kind of designed to encourage milling about. Mm-hmm. So it's really not... It was not a safe place to be. I moved very quickly. Did not want to be there very long. But got, as you can see, a new shelf behind me. It's a new shelf. I, I saw a great meme uh, that was like... Next time you're struggling to name a city in your campaign, just pick the uh, name of uh, IKEA furniture. Yes, they all have very you know Dutch European sounding names, so it's kind of yes. perfect. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, other than that, you know, plenty going on in the world, but we're back. The we world took last turns, week off. baby. The world turns. The world moves on. We are beginning a new adventure today. Uh, our the goal here is to review slash analyze slash whatever existing official D&D adventures. Do what we do. The topic is D&D adventures, yes. So heavy on spoilers for the adventures that we're going to talk about. Uh, we're going to do them in release order is Seven, the plan, right? 
eight, nine, ten. There's what eleven, I, twelve, eleven or twelve. We're gonna do. I can't. I, mean, I might miscount there. Um, okay. But yes, we are going to do them in release order. And yes, can't emphasize enough. There are spoilers. I think we'll say it at the top of every episode because yes, because yeah. I mean, we're not. Uh, I, I I told Tyler here before we started doing this whole business that i've avoided reading the pre-mades uh all this time uh, i've owned them all but i've avoided reading them in the hopes that eventually somebody would dm them for me and it never happened i've given up on that hope um and so we are gonna go ahead i've i've read at least the first four and uh, i'll keep going and uh some of them hey some of them are great some of them are oh. so let's, let's so what this represents is a collective us giving up on our players giving up on them doing anything pre-made maybe maybe someday you know homebrew stuff will come back um but yes uh frankly um, after reading the first two that we're going to cover today and next week there's no fucking way in hell any of our players and this is not a knock on them could manage these especially Um, um the second one especially tier um rise of tiamat yeah, yeah, we'll get into that, but yes, uh, that one is definitely more difficult. But uh, I think the first one's doable. We'll get into it, but so we're going to start but, with yes, Horde of um, the Dragon Queen. I think of all the ones I've read so far, it definitely either you have to be an experienced DM to run it effectively and know what's happening, or you have to just read it multiple times multiple to get a times. real feel for it. Yeah, uh, people will note that we are not going to be doing Lost Minds of Fandelvin Fandelver. Because we already kind of talked about it on the show. Yeah, we spoilers already happened. It was it was what it was. We said we enjoyed it. We did, and it's over. So we're just moving straight into the big boy adventures. Um, you know, not not the beginning ones, so to speak. Yes, um, and we're going to break it up. We're going to talk about it from a PC perspective. We're going to talk about it from a DM perspective to try and see both sides of the coin on this one. That's the hope. I don't necessarily know if it's going to split perfectly that way, but that's the hope. The, I think this first one will. I think the second one will not. Right. So, uh, Horde of the Dragon Queen, published in 2011? Uh, 2014. 2014. Yeah. I don't know why I thought that I'm was. Like, 2014. I, I'm like, I was still playing 4th edition in 2011. Yeah, I, I don't know why I did that. Seven years ago. Does it feel seven years old? Uh, I mean, 5th edition in general feels old nowadays. So, yes, the first adventure definitely feels it feels old and uh, a lot of it feels uh, dated a bit. It feels classic in that everybody fills the roles that fantasy has given them over time. Yes, yes. This is a very classic adventure. Um, yes. And I enjoy it a great deal. I enjoy all Chromatic the Chromatic dragons attack things. Cultists are bad, right? Like the, the normal things. Not anybody can be anything. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there is a, a very fair, uh, good amount of RP that goes into it. Um, it the first adventure is a bit more uh, lined towards certain objects, objectives, because you have to get to the second part of it. Um, but still, there are some really good RP situations and maybe dealing with situations in ways that you wouldn't necessarily think initially um, or that you didn't see coming at first. So, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how you want to get into this or start. So let's but, just start but, at the beginning. This is an adventure that takes you from level one to eight. Yes. In theory. Yes. Level. So you start at level one. You are beginning adventurers. Um, and actually, and you, I think... Thinking about it, I believe I might have actually done this uh, book like one time uh, when it first came out with a couple people down where I was living at the time. And we only did it one session because when I was reading the first chapter, I'm like, oh, this sounds really familiar. Well, it could be familiar because it sounds like a lot of different things. It starts off pretty straightforward. Uh, Whatever the hook you use to get your players in, they're traveling towards Greenest. Greenest, yep. Which is an amazing town name, and Greenest is under attack. That and they basically are thrown right into it. Yep, town's on fire. 
go defend it. And they go through this whole long thing, and then at the end of it say, if your players didn't join the fight, like, here's what to do. Mm-hmm. Frankly, you know, I know that that's a dumb thing that they have to say. Like, what player is going to go, no, I don't want to. Like, you're playing D&D, right? That's the whole point. But there's inevitably going to be somebody like, why would I go over there right now? Yes, <laughs> why exactly. Would I, why would I just go to that tiny town on a hill? It's a blue dragon, right? It's a blue dragon? Blue yes, dragon. Yes, it is an adult blue killing dragon. everybody. With Actually, a horde of yeah, kobolds and mercenaries mm. and such. Yeah, a lot of kobolds, first of all. A lot of kobolds. Dragon dogs. Dragon dogs. And, uh, let me make this a little bit bigger. The, the general thing that you're encountering... So, like, you go in, the players go into the town, there's cultists, acolytes, kobolds, ambush drakes, giant lizards. The dragon is kind of standoffish. You're supposed to throw these encounters at them, which they can try and avoid. But frankly, once they fight enough of these encounters, your party is going to be pretty wiped the fuck out. Yes. Yeah. Um, now, obviously, it's up to, you know, DM discretion to decide how many of the fights you get into i think they're called wandering encounters in the yes. book um and i honestly and, and also part of the encounters are there's a chance that you'll just find more townsfolk and that's all part of if you're doing uh xp awards uh the townsfolk are what are important there because you get more xp for more villagers that you bring to the keep that you are told to go to after your first encounter when you get to town so if the well, adventurers the, say they want to wander and look for more townsfolk, I think that's when I'd be rolling this wandering encounter. But if they say, I want to go straight to the keep after I find out I need to go to the keep, then I would just eliminate this part. They can more or less go straight to the keep with like a few stealth checks probably. Yeah. But there's one encounter you're supposed to do and um, mm-hmm. that is, you know, without warning, five humans are running across your path trying to escape eight kobolds. And you have the you kind of have the option because one of the humans turns around and is gonna is gonna fight eight kobolds and she will die. You know, you're supposed to really just step in there. Yeah, eight kobolds is a lot of kobolds. Eight. So, and th- this is why I believe that I played this first. Because uh, when I first played, I was like eight kobolds. You know, that's a that's a big number, but you know, I was coming from the three point five mentality. Kobold does you know one d four minus one. You know. Eight of them could swing and do no damage. You know, let's get on there and take care of this shit. And I remember the fight started and things were happening and they were doing a D4 plus one. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, we're going to get wrecked. This It's fucking over. Let's just call it a day right now. Yep. So I, you know, we don't have time to go through page by page of this from a player perspective, but from a player perspective, it seems like a lot of this adventure is going to wear you out. So especially the early chapters from a PC perspective are meant to do two things. One, show you that combat and necessarily winning in combat isn't always the way things are going to work out or the way that you should handle a situation. And two, it is to prepare you for, you know, setting the, how do I say this? It, It, is setting a an expectation of difficulty that this is bad. There are dragons, there are badass cultists and warriors and gladiator fighter things and half dragons. Like there are actual threats. And I think that's what this first chapter and second chapter are meant to do is show you, you know, if you don't take this seriously, death is going to happen to you. Yes, this I definitely agree that this is this is throwing you into battle. This is a battle adventure to start, right? Yes. It's like this is like walking up to Helm's Deep <laughs> oh, <laughs> at the beginning oh, of the movie. I, th- I think this is a nice-looking base. We should hang out here for a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the dragon attacks the town, like in it. A bre- dra- it's it's what's an adult blue yes, dragon? Adult, like it's not the biggest blue dragon, blue dragon in yep. the world, but it will kill a first level oh, yeah. player. It, they're oh, dead. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So if if you get entangled with the dragon you're dead that's the end of the game so (laughs) i don't think that happens at first i think it is it the second chapter where it can happen or uh no uh during the during the attack the dragon is breath weaponing the dragon is breath weaponing it could happen it doesn't have to happen it could happen so i i think that this would happen if the if everyone got to the keep and said we're going to stay in the keep for the rest of the night 
and defend it, that's when you have the dragon attack. Other, if they're going out and doing things, um, then I would not do the dragon attack mission. Um, yeah. My so I guess what I should say, this is when I, mission. Go ahead. when I, when I said earlier, this is not like an adventure for beginners ever, you know, you hit it on the head. This is not an adventure for beginning DMs, maybe beginning players, but a beginner DM was going to want to review this several times. Um, you know, not just skim this before jumping in. Something I would ask any fresh, like, like brand new DM that's picking up an adventure, uh, to play with his friends is a, a read the entire thing. Don't just read. Don't just read like the first chapter and say, "Okay, we're only going to get through this in the first session." Read the entire thing so you understand the story, and also play test like yourself. Just set up a party of four adventurers and set up uh, a cobalt encounter and just see how things will work and how quickly things happen in that session. So. After the dragon attack, the there there's a, there's a siege on the keep for a while, but eventually the dragon and the cultists leave. Yes, with a lot of, with a lot of money, they got what they came for. That was that turns out to be the goal, right? Um, you the players discover oh they made off with roughly half of the wealth of the town, mm-hmm. um, and you the players essentially are consigned to go after them they they went made off with the wealth but also uh they made off with a very important npc right the leosin mm, yeah the, the monk yes which isn't really mentioned until the players leave yeah reds are getting ready to go an injured monk comes and finds them and says hey i need you to find my dude so it's kind of like tacking on a little extra quest on the end of the quest which turns out to be more important than right. what they're getting sent out to do, which I enjoy. That yeah, there's a lot of that players, that happens. Yeah, it teaches players about you know the subtlety of the game and how the overt mission might not be what's important in a situation. So I think that this first book does a great job of doing those kinds of things. So turns out, you know, go follow the, the raiders, see what you can learn, some specific information... Who knows? Maybe you got the treasure back, right? Make it to their camp. Uh, there's weird notes in the adventure about how the players will encounter the rear guard, but they shouldn't kill the rear guard. In fact, it's better if they don't kill the rear guard kind of thing. Like things there's no way for the players to know um, that, I, that I'm not 100% so, on. So I think the, what they're talking about here, um, and I, I like how they set up, you know, if they dealt with the stragglers, in a certain way, they'll have information. That information helps them find the rear guard, the ambush group. And then if they deal with the ambush group in a certain way, they can gain information. They don't lose automatically if they don't do it. But um, I like the idea that, again, this campaign is trying to show them that there is a different way to go about things than just walking in, killing everything, and taking what you want. Right, especially this second part is not intended to be a lot of fights, but whatever necessary to rescue um, rescue Leozin. Yes, like this all sets up going into the camp. You, so eventually you will get to the, the raider camp. And if the party has not learned that fighting isn't always the option, they might try to walk up and just start fighting the fucking camp. Which will not and go sco- well. Scores upon scores of people will come out and kill them quickly. Right, this is an opportunity to kind of sneak a bit, pretend even to be a cultist at some times. Yeah, you don't even have to sneak. You can just walk in if you get there soon enough. I love it. Right, right. There's, they, you know, they, a lot of them are wearing certain colors or clothes or things like that. Interestingly um, enough, I'm pretty sure it says somewhere you, you can't, yeah, right here. If characters are wearing Cult of the Dragon regalia, taken from the rear guard, the characters have disadvantage on their role to blend in because no one returning to the camp should be in uniform. <laughs> so those little notes are really great you know preparing for what a party might do um but the camp the goal is more or less to less rescue leosin and then there's other pieces of information for exploring the camp the part that confused me about leosin is that the entire time that he's sitting there 
and you're, you know, meant to be rescuing him. He's saying, don't rescue me. I don't want to be rescued. I like being here. I'm trying to, I'm, I'm learning things. Piss off, you know? And it's just, it's crazy in my opinion. It's kind of a recurring theme in D&D Adventures, actually. Um, that, that kind of character. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll see more you, of that you ultimately, you, you have to force him to leave. You can't and leave, leave like there. A, you can leave a dummy in his place if you so inclined. Or you just leave and you get a five. Yeah, there, and I like that depending on how you take him and leave and what you do to replace him, if you replace him at all, changes how long before people notice that they're gone. Right. So uh, the big takeaway is that you want your players to learn in the camp. There's a long list, frankly, of things they can learn. Yes. Um, Cult of the Dragon, right? They're trying to they're trying to amass treasure for Tiamat. Not everybody is fully a cultist. Like some of them are new, different kind of sides mm-hmm. to this cult. You know, the kobolds are just kind of easy push arounds. There's uh, the cultists, obviously prisoners. Um, the ha- the there's dragon eggs that somebody is keeping half mm-hmm. dragons around i love how there's like praise tiamat's glory just sprinkled in to this bit yes um and then the plunder um, and is if obviously and if treasure you, yeah there, there's all kinds of stuff and you either can learn that just by walking around and talking or if you save leeson he knows all of it right so so there's no singular way to do what you're trying to do ultimately the goal is just to make sure that you are, you know, engaging in conversation, you're learning, and you're really role-playing this. Right. This is a lot of this is this is a lot of opportunities for player to flex different strategies of role play. Um, because you might just be talking to somebody or might somebody might give you a job to do and you go have to work next to some other cultist or whatever it is. Yeah, I made a very specific note that chapter two could be a really good time to showcase a lot of the various people in the party's abilities right exactly so uh you leave the camp get out of the camp you've learned everything uh leosin wants to go onward to where is it el Terrell. yes talk to a talk to a paladin mm-hmm. so i'm pretty sure players are intended to kind of go with him so so no, he's going somewhere else. I think. I feel like the group goes back to the camp in chapter three, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah, the camp is empty, and they go back to because they want to go to the hatchery and figure out what's oh. going on in the dragon hatchery. Yes, more wandering encounters, and then the cave. That's right. I skipped ahead. There's the cave where they heard about dragon eggs and treasure. There is a lot of very diverse and heavy combat in this cave. Yes. Um, and in here, uh, I think that, you know, we a get some really good maps and descriptions that really provide the DM with everything they're going to need to handle any given room. Um, but this really, uh, uh, you know, this really teaches you again that you don't need to explore everything. You know, you don't need to do everything. Uh, the goal is clear. You know, you're in here to uh, gain information, and if you can, fuck up some dragon shit. There are winged kobolds in here. Yeah, what are they called? Udu? Uh, which I love the notion that there are winged kobolds. Imagine how beloved that kobold is amongst his yes. friends and fellows. Yes. But yeah, there's sturges, there's troglodytes, kobolds. Oh yeah, I don't uh, even remember the entire thing. Fungi. Um, fungi. Uh, there were... There was something... Are there guard drakes? I think there was an... Uh, Otiug? No, was that Guard a different one? Yeah, I think the uh, berserk, weird like human berserkers. Human berserkers, are there. yes. Um, and the dragon hatchery itself has dragon eggs. Yeah, black dragon eggs. Three of them, I want to say. So that's like that's a big takeaway from the caves, right? Oh, there's a roper. Oh, is there a roper? Oh, there's yeah, a roper that among- speaks so common. I- that's just like a natural existing roper. I don't think he's part of the team. <laughs> yeah, so, but it's just, it's unusual. And the group can actually A, talk to it, and B, they can feed it to avoid having to fight it, which is awesome. What's well, so what the kobolds are doing to keep it friendly? Because it's not a member of their team. It just lives in this fucking cave. 
Yes, and no one wants to really deal with it because it's not an easy fight. Right. So uh, they can find dragon eggs. If they leave the dragon eggs behind, the dragon eggs will hatch, which can obviously be a problem. Um, but if they're taken away, they're still going to hatch, generally speaking. Or they could just, like, smash the dragon eggs. What do you think players is- would generally do? Oh, I think that depends a lot. I think that they would probably smash two and keep one if I had to guess. You think keep one? Yeah. Um, you know, just so that, you know, they have a dragon egg. Who doesn't want a fucking dragon egg? Right. Frankly, just as a... Oh, no, what happened? Uh, as a point of order, we are making very little progress through this book right now. <laughs> There's so much to this book. There's no way we're going to be able to split this the way we intended. Well, no, I mean, we've got... It's not that much more. We're on episode four on chapter out of eight. Yeah. We're halfway through this episode. So we're going to spend the whole... We're, just, we're not going to do it by player and DM. We're just going to have a general overview yeah. of the whole thing yeah. then. Yeah, clearly. Okay. Well, I think that the back half is actually the more interesting half anyways, with, with one notable um, exception. Mm-hmm. So we will... So that was chapter three. We're on to chapter four. Chapter now. three. We're on chapter four. Uh, let's just take a second right now and take a break and we'll come right back. Two episode four. I like how it's divided in episodes, first of all. Oh, we're back. Hello, by the way. I have it as chapters. I don't have it as episodes. I have it as episodes as the original print. You're on oh, a digital good. one. Yes. I'm assuming. Yes. Uh, they, yeah, they they're listed the as episodes in this and the next adventure as well. In episode four. Uh, See, doing it in the next adventure, I think, is a mistake because it doesn't go in order. But we'll talk about that later. Anyway, right. so the, we the kill, we beat Frulan Mondath in the in the cave. We got all the treasure. We're now on the road in chapter four. Well, we haven't gotten all four. the treasure because the camp was emptied out. There's still treasure headed away from us north. Yes, I think north, north. I'm so, a trade yes. So now this is where so uh, the monk went to Elturel. And the group is now going, and they get back to uh, Greenest. Uh, they find out that horses have been provided for them so they can make the trip quickly. Heading to Eltrail, a large, orderly city overlooking some river. A lot of named places in here. Yeah. Uh, so the, the funny thing, Eltrail is kind of fancy in that it has like a, a tiny little sun floating over it. <laughs> It's painful to undead and visible from almost every corner of Eltrigard, of which Eltrigard is the capital. So, like, is it just always light here? Uh, no, I don't think that. I think, you know. It says it illuminates the city day and night. Oh, okay. Well, then that kind of sucks, but it Yeah, is I don't know is. how I feel about it going into a city with a giant glowing ball floating over it. Yeah, I think you're overthinking something that you only spend five seconds in. Elturel. Well, you can spend as much or as little time in interactions as Elturel as you and your players want, noted right there in the beginning. Guaranteed Timing to have a good time. You think what? Timing is an issue. The tracks leaving the cultist camp in the map of, for Mondath Chamber both indicate the wagons were heading west to pick up the coastway where they would turn north to Beragost and Boulder's Gate. So there is a time limit to what we're doing. But you are trying to befriend long. a paladin. In Elturel. Uh, well, I mean, again, all that is just, you know, bullshit and fun. The main goal is to get a fucking boat to Boulder's Gate where the real shit happens. Yes, you are um, trying to ask. You're, you're, you're following Leosin. You end up finding Anthar Froom because he, like, leads a... What's he lead? The Order of the Gauntlet? Yeah. Uh, trying to basically befriend him so he can help them. Because he was, because Leo Sin, I don't know, Leo Sin was trying to get to him at some point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the way to do that is essentially drink, arm wrestle, and have a good time. Which all players are all about all the time. So befri- Enough about the Order of the Gauntlet and Elturel. It's a very small section in a very small chapter. Okay. You just talk about whatever you want to talk about. Well, I mean, Boulder's Gate is where we do everything else um, for this chapter. Uh, 
once you get there via boat, uh, you get, you know, your first real glimpse of an actual major metropolis. And, you know, I love the way that they describe Baldur's Gate and how nothing actually, there's no carts, there's no horses in the city because it's dangerous. So there's just, you know, people that will literally move box by box, everything from one side of the wall to the other side of the wall so you can keep on traveling. And that's essentially how they maintain their economy is by just having all these middlemen that do this stuff. And your job ultimately is to get hired on as part of the caravan of cultists, which I find a crazy thing to want to do, but it is what it is. Because the cultists are in Baldur's Gate trying to get passage north. north. Yep. Right. So you don't know who the cultists are. Like they're just going to end up being part of a larger caravan because from Baldur's Gate, merchants do that. They travel in big groups. You know, each merchant has a couple guards and they travel in a group. So you do recognize some of the people as cultists, which is why you pick this group to go with. But yeah, in general, you don't know all the cultists versus all of the non-cultists. Right, but you're not like seeking them out in Baldur's Gate to like stop them. You're you're no, you want to go with joining them. their group. Yeah. Yeah, you want to know where they're going and what their goals are. Um, but the important thing with this is we get introduced to two very important uh, NPCs right here. Uh, Asbra Joss, the Red Wizard of Thay, which everyone hates Red Wizards. They're just a bunch of assholes. They don't really um, describe Red Wizards and Thay as well in this book as they do in the next book. Yes, I think it's more I think it's more important because you actually deal with them more. In this one, you just have a chance encounter with one of them. Uh, and then there's Jamna Gleamsober, the gnome uh just straight up sociopath uh that is part of the black network or zentarim which is kind of you know they, they remind me a lot of um like blackwater or or a modern day uh private military firm where they'll provide mercenaries and other forms of muscle for hire and you know while they're not maybe always illegal they are always into some sort of shady shit Right, and they're 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 secretive. Yes. Like you might not even know you're hiring someone from there when just hiring someone. Exactly. Like um, I'm not no, advertising Gle that I'm a Zentarim. Yeah. Um, Gleam Silvers joins Caravan to actually help out the Harpers. Weirdly enough, uh, to learn more about what they're hauling and where it's headed. Um, and then there's this huge long list of NPCs. That I, I would feel so bad uh, if I forced my DM to try and figure out all that shit. You just, you know, you got to just randomly pick one of these. Somebody's like, I want to talk to somebody. You yeah. just pick one of them at random. Yeah. Um, right? but And then you're supposed to be essentially on the road for about 20 days or something. I think it's like 20 to 30 days. All things uh, considered, the trip more. is expected to take two months. Two months, yeah. So it was 20 to 30 to get from uh, Ethereal to or Elturel to Baldur's Gate, and then another two months to get from Baldur's Gate to wherever to you're going deep. next. So, water deep. so there are all kinds of random road adventures they give you. Um, and this, again, is up to the DM to decide how long he wants to spend on the road versus if he just wants to get to the next city and knock out the very basic planned road events in this chapter. So it's, a, it's kind of a curious adventuring decision because there are random road events right like a lot of them yes um but part of the trip is also supposed to be like learning you know interacting with certain characters interacting mm -hmm. with the gnome interacting with cultists oh who has who has who's the payback quest um somebody's somebody's mad at you i forget why <laughs> no that doesn't happen yet that happens oh, that at the yet? end of okay. this chapter Okay. Yeah. So I, first, like... the, the first planned thing that happens is you might get recognized. Obviously, you've fought some cult members. You've wandered their camp. You've gone into the hatchery. There's a chance that one of them recognizes you. And if they do, they become very suspicious. They start talking shit about you behind your back. If that doesn't happen, well, then you start to gain some attention uh, from various characters uh especially uh our gnome rogue who uh who seems to be uh taking a great interest in you and the cultists and seeing if there's maybe some uh some connection between the two of you 
But my favorite is um the who's your, who's friend? your friend? Yeah. Oh my god, that's great. So uh essentially after however long the DM decides, uh Gleam Silver walks over as you guys are about to start eating some oatmeal, takes a bowl, digs through it, and shows you there's a little small Small ball Basically in there. Basically a poison capsule, but more complicated. Even than better than a poison capsule. It's a piece of bone that is rolled up that will then expand in your stomach to expose itself, pierce your gut, and kill you slowly. Right. That's it's intense. Very, it's very specific, but it was planted by the gnome. It wasn't really there. So, I love it. So, I don't really... You know, that's pretty maniacal for the gnome to be like i want to talk to those people so what i'm going to do is i'm going to fake that they were attempted to be murdered by somebody else and tell them to come talk to me later mm-hmm. like that that's some next level motivation shit um that i'm not sure will come through for most players you know because because they they can search their gruel and find things that might have been other poison capsules but are they ever really going to learn that gleam silver faked that don't know don't know probably not probably there's also not. a murder uh, that happens the chapter ends uh gleam silver fucking stabs somebody but she's not taking the fall for it so depending on what happens especially if one of you has a short sword you get blamed for it and that Good. cultist will find you in a later chapter so this Moving i was on. shocked to hear that this was two months of travel uh, I wasn't a lot of uh, D and D like pre-mades and adventure league stuff. They account for a lot of downtime. Like there's downtime like twenty here. days of downtime between any AL session. So, so when thinking about the old rules for how you learned a skill, like I learned proficiency with a new tool, is this how you did it? Like, well, we have sixty yeah. days of downtime. Yeah. So here I am learning a skill. In this adventure, there's a good chance that you pick up ninety. 120 days of downtime. Yeah, because I think there's another 15 tacked onto another travel section. Yeah. So So you could you could easily, you know, back in 2014, I've easily justified, oh, I learned a new skill on the road. I made friends with someone who taught me to play the loot. Uh, chapter five, uh, moving on. Uh, we get to Waterdeep, finally. And Waterdeep is obviously full of nobles, lords, who all have their way of doing things. And, you know... You gotta somehow catch up and find the cultists who are kind of ditching the rest of the caravan that you came in with, and they're heading their own route to some roadhouse called the Carnath Roadhouse, uh, where they are hiding material until such time that they can get it out of town and keep going. Um, there's not a lot of combat in this chapter. It's very straightforward. You are simply trying to RP and learn about where the material is going next. Except at the end, when a cultist challenges you to a duel in the vein of Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepared to die. Exactly. So it's another 200 miles you're going to be traveling, right? So it's like 10 days or 15 days or something. Yeah. That's another travel section, but the cultists don't like you being there this time at all. Uh, yeah, I would agree this should probably be a short thing. Uh, there is a map of the roadhouse, so there's like different sections you can explore, different rooms you can explore. Blah 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 blah. Um, the yeah, well, grudge match is against a veteran that uses the stats of a veteran, which I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, is challenge rating three. You're supposed to be at least level five by now in the game. Right. So, is this an appropriate challenge? It's not or... meant to be. It's just yeah. You're meant to knock it out real fast. Challenge rating three, exactly. Because it's supposed to be just well, if it's just a one-on-one fight, challenge rating three actually for a level five character is is legitimate. You you should have no issues. Okay, you say so. I looked at the stats. It shouldn't be that hard. I mean, how much health do you have level five? Forty. Veteran has fifty-eight. Yeah, but you also have two attacks. So do they. Yeah, but you also have eighteen to twenty armor. You've got second wind. You've got action. So you've got. I mean. No, you'll be fine. No issue. Okay. Just just if you say so. Unless you're like a uh, rogue that somehow can't get sneak attack. That's probably the only way that you'd have any issues. The roadhouse contains a secret tunnel. Which leads to a castle. 
So the castle is in a swamp, right? It's in the Mayor of Deadmen. The Mayor of Deadmen, which I believe is south of Phandalin, actually. Um, and it is, it's just it's a huge bog. A, a just horrible, disgusting bog. More traveling through the bog. But bog not long. Only two more full days. Full of other creatures like lizard folk. The lizard folk are my favorite part about uh, chapter six, uh, specifically Snapjaw. Uh, the Lizard Folk NPC, that would be a welcome addition to any party that I roll with. And why is that? Because he is just so much fun and so cool. And a Lizard Folk that will be friends with you, which you don't normally find. Yeah, Lizard Folk don't really do friends, generally. Nope. Uh, if they don't, if the characters don't mistreat Snapjaw and don't kill any more Lizard Folk than they need to, he becomes a reliable ally. There are also Bullywugs in the swamp. Giant frogs. Led by... Far Black's Spattergoo. <laughs> Spattergoo, I loved that. Who I hope a, every DM rolls with the utmost sincerity. And there are Yon T in the swamp, which everyone fear. There are? I thought the Yon T weren't till two chapters from now. Uh, Mayor of Dead Men encounters can include Yon T hunting oh. parties. Okay. They don't, they're, they're, you see them more. There's a whole chapter about them, so you'll get there. Yeah, they are uh, they're hunters. They just want to hunt intelligent creatures that would be suitable sacrifices for their evil Yanti god. <laughs> they're 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 basically the straight up evil. Everybody hates them. It's okay to kill them in the swamp and later. Mm-hmm. Um, but the castle itself is has several factions inside of it, which I found interesting, <clears throat> and different people trying to like obtain different levels of leadership in the castle like uh i think it's the i think spatter goo is the leader of the bullywogs he's leader of the bullywogs but he's trying he hopes when tiamat returns that the castle becomes his castle yes yeah he wants the black dragon that's there out of it and he wants it right so later after you've gone through you know the castle is a map there's lots of encounters in here um the there's even a point like where they he might not like fight against you because he doesn't he doesn't actually care about the cult at all he just wants the castle yeah you know a lot of this chapter is ultimately trying to convince npcs that aren't part of the cult or the dragon self to just stay out of your way right exactly um and then obviously fighting uh the cult of the dragon at the end but you're, if I'm not mistaken, the DM is supposed to let Resmir and Osbara Joss go. Is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Um, they, they don't. I mean, they want to avoid the battle, so they'll they'll leave as soon as the battle breaks out. Yeah, those two are trying to flee. They teleport. Um, and ultimately, yes. them teleporting is what leads to the next chapter. So you really you want the PCs to see that. Right, so there's a lot of encounters in the castle. The castle has a lot of different chambers within it, um, full of bullywugs, full of lizard folk, guard drakes, a- a- oh, anything anything deadly can be in here. This is where the Otiug is, by the way. Yeah, I mean, there's specters, there's giant spiders, like everything is in this castle, beneath this castle, like it- it's it's really a lot. Yeah, there's and an area under the castle, isn't there? Um, there? Yeah, there's a gray ooze down there. Right, there's oozes beneath the castle. That's right. Yeah. Um, there's giant frogs. There's the tadpole hatchery. <laughs> there's Farblex's sanctum. Right, there's a lot going on in this fucking yeah. castle. I, like but lot. I think the important thing is, obviously, at, at some point, you know, there is a black dragon. Mm-hmm. Um... And this is another situation where you don't need to win the fight. Like you don't need to kill him to win the fight. You just need to hurt him enough to get him to run away. And this is a very common theme in both of the books that we're coming up to. So, uh, right. um, and that's a definite takeaway from this entire adventure is that winning isn't always killing everything. And I think it's, um, and this is actually an important lesson for a lot of DMs in that your intelligent enemies can flee, especially if they have wings, mm-hmm. right? They can like, oh, I'm losing. I'm a fucking dragon. 
I can just go away. Yeah. Uh, so, a permanent teleportation circle is carved into the floor in... Is it the lower levels of the castle? Yes. And eventually, your... Well, no, it's out. I think it's, it might be outside the castle. I think outside. it's where the two mages disappear to immediately when the battle starts. Your quarry flees, taking a teleportation to the Grey Peak Mountains, where it leads to the hunting lodge in Chapter 7. Yes. Chapter 7 was one of uh, my favorites. I thought it was uh, exciting. Um, I, I like the the political intrigue of do you deal with Talus, who is a bad person, you know, a bad cultist, but ultimately could help you a lot. You know, the, the, the things that she can do for you are incredible in terms of getting you to the castle in chapter eight, uh, helping you find the weaknesses of your enemies. Like there's a lot that, that Talus can do, but it, you're making a deal with the devil. Although there are actual devils that you make deals with. Um, but this one is, it's tough. I don't know how you would play it, and I'd love to see it get played. And then there are also people on the opposite end of the spectrum, peep, tr a four-armed troll that just wants to hunt and kill things. Yes, yes, which, again, as if I was the DM, I would see this as an opportunity for my party to role-play the troll to being on their side. You know, trying to find a way to convince this thing, hey, maybe we have more money. Maybe we have more hunting options. Maybe we can keep townsfolk from leaving you alone. You know, there's any number of things that you could work through. You know, I, I'd i enjoy watching them try to do that. He, you know, the, the troll does serve the culture of the dragon very enthusiastically. So that might be a bigger challenge because he, he, all he wants in life is to kill and hunt things, right? Like, mm -hmm. Uh, that's the most exciting thing. So if you could provide that, who knows, right? Maybe you maybe you can give him what he wants. Yeah. Especially if you've turned, if you've become friends with Talus, that would be your step into you know getting this this psychopath murderer troll to be your friend. Mm -hmm. But if you're forced to retreat from the lodge because you fail any of this, he chases you the fuck down. Yes, and he brings with him six ambush strikes. That's a lot of ambush strikes. So it's a uh, challenge rating six plus six half challenge ratings are they halves they're halves uh to take on a party who at this point are level six or seven possibly so it's not going to be easy he wants to just bring one of you back yes that is his entire goal again not to kill you just to bring you back for I interrogation. Make a, a side right here about the illustrations in this book i don't know if you can see them, yeah, or I can not. See them. And they're not the best like all the npc illustrations like leosin is a, yeah. a very uncomfortable illustration. Trepsin, the troll. Yeah, that's not a that's not a good troll illustration. I mean, he looks like a street shark. He does actually look like a street. That is accurate. Right, he looks like a fucking street shark. He doesn't look like a troll. So yeah. I don't like a lot of the illustrations in here. But uh, aside from Tres Trepsin, Jesus, what else are we doing in the lodge? So there are uh, pretty much this entire chapter is either negotiating with Talus. Or fighting Talus. Um, because the goal is to get to the castle in chapter eight. Like that is that's the thing. So there are there might be some like little encounters and stuff, but you know, nothing that you sh besides the troll and the dogs, uh, there's nothing you shouldn't be able to handle. I think the helmed horror was probably my favorite encounter that I saw. Yeah. Um, just something interesting and fun that might be something different that the group hasn't encountered before. But uh, Helmed Horrors are not easy. No. Uh, but if you do end up trying to fight Talos, it is, it's, it's, you got a challenge rating five with two challenge rating threes and a challenge rating one. Who, if I'm not mistaken, if there's enough time, will call in the troll if you did not kill the troll. <laughs> So the the main thing you want to get from Talus is knowledge about the next chapter, right? Skyreach Castle. Yeah. Either you accept her deal and she takes you herself, or you beat the shit out of her and she surrenders and she gives you the information. Or you kill her, she doesn't tell you, and you kill all of her servants and guardians. No one tells you, and the DM has to do ex machina somebody to come by and tell you. It, that's my favorite part. If the characters kill everyone... Consider leaving a paper trail in Talos's personal or, or some villager, or have a villager to, show up. to show up and deliver food. 
Right, exactly. Like, if they murder hoboed everyone here, you just got to shoehorn it in somehow. But So there's a flying fucking castle that's docked at a nearby village. But no matter what, exactly, you have to get to Parnast, and you have to get to this castle, which this chapter, chapter eight, my God, timing the departure of the castle is extremely well thought out and very helpful, and you have to, as a PC, and when I was doing this, I broke it down by both. As a PC group, you have to have a very diverse party with like every skill imaginable and the ability to assist and aid as much as possible to get through Chapter 8 without somehow dying. It is tough. It's well, it's it's the you know the climax of the adventure because all of your all of your investigation has led you here, right? Yes. Um, all of the treasure and valuables from the cults have brought have been brought here, where they're added. It, the plan is to add them to like an even bigger horde eventually, right? Yeah. So all of the big challenges in theory are going to happen here, starting with you know just getting through the town and getting to the castle. Mm-hmm. You can find more rumors. You can find more information. Um about the castle and about the cultists. So if you want to spend time in the town, you can. Probably shouldn't spend too much time in the town. No, because the castle will leave without you if you fuck this up. <laughs> A cloud giant flying fortress. So just to give people some information, if for whatever reason you and your idiot friends decide to try to go murder Hobo on this place, aside from all of the bullshit and all the random shit that comes out, there is a cloud giant named Blathakis, Blagothkis or whatever, two stone giants named Wigluf and Hulda, Mm -hmm. the fucking Wormspeaker Resmir, two red wizards, Wrath and Asbro, who you met before, a vampire, and an adult white dragon. This so is in addition to other things like way through this. ogres and golems and other stuff that are just in here. Yes. So you have to, have to, have to, at this point in the game, start negotiating, making friends, and trying to get as few people to try to kill you as possible. Because I'm pretty sure a cloud giant is like challenge rating 10 or something, isn't nine. it? Nine. Yeah. By itself, yeah. nine. Both like, the hill giants are seven each. The, the stone giants. Yeah. Stone giant. Hill giants. Hill giants. It says stone giant. Oh, okay, yeah. Um, stone giant may be manageable, right? A cloud giant, they have spells. Their attacks hurt, right? They make two attacks. Oh, yeah. So when they it, throw a rock, it could kill somebody. <laughs> so, and this this is a you know clearly a specific character, um, and yeah, he flies. You know, he casts lightning bolt. He does twenty one damage per hit. You know. He, well, my, you know, nobody, this is always the big part of fighting a giant. Fighting a giant will pull a rock out of its bag and throw it at you. Blagothkis does not have any rocks on his attack list. He should, as a cloud giant, he should have a, I mean, he has lightning bolt instead, I suppose. But like, standard giants, right, throw rocks at you. They're, they're almost more deadly from range than they are when you're up close to them. Mm -hmm. So there's really no good fighting him, right? But again, the goal isn't to fight him. He right, can be exactly. your friend very easily. Because he doesn't really care about Tiamat. No, he doesn't care about any of this. His, what is it, dead wife? Mans the castle, essentially. Right. He thinks giants have grown soft. And killing some dragons would actually be pretty good. Yeah. He's just, he's just playing along with the cult. Yeah, he's just, you know, they've got this area. So they, there's, again... You're going to have some fights, but you can't have all the fights in here. Right. Especially because, in my opinion, there's nowhere to rest. Like, you can get a short rest in here, but there's no long resting in this castle. No, not at all. So what's what's our ultimate goal here? So the goal is to gain control of the castle. You don't want the cultists using it to carry out their nefarious purpose they're using it to transport as much loot as possible to the horde for when they bring back tiamat Correct. so again you know there are fights that are manageable like you could probably take your group first fresmir the worm speaker it's a challenge rating seven 
So, you know, it's going to take a lot of your effort to kill the thing. Um, but you can do it. You'll, you'll win the fight most likely at this point. Really, the final encounter is kind of the white dragon. Exa- well, and even then, um, I love how the book goes into detailing how you can deal with it in a better way. You can flatter him. You can flatter him. You can lure him into a tight space. We have disadvantage on his melee attacks. You know, right. there's all these options. Um, but again, if you try to fight everything, Jesus, you know, uh, if you go up to the tower and you have to deal with the fucking vampire who has two vampires spawn with it, like, fuck me. I don't want to fight a vampire. <laughs> I don't want to fight a vampire. Um, you know, if you piss off uh, the stone, the uh, cloud giant that whose spirit is controlling the fucking place. She'll just crash the bitch. Which is a she'll, win, though. She'll just, That's a which win. Which is a win, but you die. <laughs> That's still a win. Because like, the, 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 the goal eventually is to take control of the castle or crash the castle. It marks the end of the adventure. Yes. So maybe so, maybe you can survive the crash somehow. I don't know. But that would be the end of the adventure, right? Yes. You might have um, captured or killed people. Oh, there's just so much to do in Chapter 8. It is... It's absurd. It's so... It's... I don't know. This is the part where a DM probably wants to break this up into, I'd say, three sessions. You know, you want to. Oh, do... this would take longer than three sessions. It depends on what. Every, like, if you do everything, yes. This is. This is. 12 this is sessions. For me, yeah, this is like a six-ish but minimum. If I'm just doing it where the goal is to do the thing, where it's bring down the castle, I, I could see it as three. You know, getting to Parnast and getting onto the ship. The main part of court like and that would include the negotiation with the cloud giant at the beginning and finding your way to it um fighting your way to the uh steering room and then taking it down in the third episode oh you're saying just the cat just frosty's casual yeah taking three sessions oh the entire book oh i I, for some reason thought you meant the adventure i was saying no i meant just this chapter oh yeah i could see it i could see that this book i i'd say is probably 15 I don't think quite that many. It depends on how many random encounters you want to give your team. Um, if you're going uh, XP-based leveling up versus milestone leveling up, definitely, because you're going to have to have a lot of random encounters to get people to level 8, which they should be at the end of this book. Yeah, you should um, end at level 8 with a lot of treasure, though. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely... Woo! This, this, I would love... I mean, I've read it now, so I wouldn't love. But before I read this, I would have loved to be in a PC in this game. I think this would have been a lot of fun to play through, especially for a pre-made. Like, it definitely forces you to go a certain way, but there's so many ways you can get there. And there's so many friends you can make, allies you can make, enemies you can make. Ugh. So what that adventure. leads me to what are, your, what are our final thoughts here? I think this is a multifaceted, very deep adventure, but it's still very linear. Yes. Like you yes. are you essentially you are walking down a road following dudes the whole time. Yes. And, and even if it doesn't seem linear, linear it is. Like even if you do the thing where you don't do the thing, the DM then just has to explain to you that you did do the thing inadvertently. Um right. But I think that's what you have to do at a lower level. Like this is levels 1 to 8, so you have to force people a certain way. You've got to get them to the point where in the next book they kind of can do whatever they want. Which is what we're going to talk about in our next episode. We will be discussing the horror, not the horror, the rise of Tiamat. Rise of Tiamat. Ultimately, Best though, cover Horde of the Dragon Queen, I'd give it solid four out of five. I would have loved to have played it once upon a time. Yeah, right. I I think I would still, even knowing what I know, I would still love to play it. I think it'd be kind of fun. I um, think that there... it would benefit um, a new DM to play with people who understand the complexity of it. Absolutely. That way, they don't do the stupid shit that makes the DM's life hard. That's what I'm saying. You know, you want to really, you want a good party for this. This this merits having a good party. Yeah. If you walk in there with uh, four level one casters to start the game, just stop. Quit. You're done. <laughs> just... um, okay. Long episode. You're welcome. Question mark. Make sure to subscribe and rate the show wherever you found it. Follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. Feel free to send us your thoughts on this adventure or your angry emails about how we spoiled it at rwdpodcast at gmail.com. Next episode, Rise of Tiamat. And we will 
See you next time. Till then. Goodbye. Thank you.